Turning your Bibles to Luke 22, verse 61. Luke 22, verse 61. I started this in the 10 o'clock hour. Now we're going to roll into it. And if you weren't here, that's okay. I'm going I'm to bring you up to speed. I'm, I'm studying Peter. I want you guys to study this with me because this is what we do. At the beginning of the year, we sit there and we say, Lord, this is going to be a new year. It's going to be a good year. Lord, this is your year. I'm going I'm to serve you. Lord, I, I'm going to make this all about you. And then a little way into it, we mess up. Then a little way, we, we mess up again. And, and then towards the end of the year, we've thrown up our hands and we're getting nowhere. And it's just, Lord, all I'm good at doing is failing. And I started thinking, isn't that what Peter did? Sitting there with Jesus, you're about to go through some hard times. Lord, I'll never deny you. Lord, I'm all yours. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you to the end. Peter denied the Lord one time. Peter denied the Lord a second time. Peter denied him a third time. And then he said, I'm going fishing. You know, that's, that's, that was the course of it. And my, the reason why I'm preaching this is because I think some people are, are going into the new year and your, your idea is, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to make a difference. It's, ah, I've tried all that. I'm never going to be one of these preachers. I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not a Marcus. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like all these other people. Let me, let me tell you, before you start looking over your shoulder saying what you're not, remember whose you are. You can come in here and think just because everybody else had their two Bibles under each arm and they're walking in here and they're holding hands with their wife. You don't know the backstories. Don't get the idea that everybody here has it all worked out and you're the one that's just trying to keep your head above water. Every one of us have struggles. Every person here has, has got the fight with the devil just like you are. Every person has the one, the two, the three all through their life just like you do. And the thing is that I, I said, once we get to that point, I, I want to recognize and say, before we start another year of failure, we need to just turn around and say, all right, why did I deny him? Why did I mess up there? Lord, what happened here? And that's what we did. I, I pointed out to the class, Peter, Peter rebuked Jesus. I'm not kidding. We, we studied it. Peter pulled Jesus to the side and said, you can't do that. And it's, when Jesus gives a certain teaching, we need to accept it because he knows what he's doing. The Bible is not for picking and choosing. It's turn the page and obey. Turn the page and obey. When you don't turn the page and obey, you set yourself up for failure. That's what, that's what he did way back here. Peter had a pride issue. Lord, all these other might betray you, but I never will. Be careful when you say, Lord, I'll never do something. We are not above failing. I'll never, my, my kids will never do that. The moment you say that, let me tell you right now. My marriage will never be in that kind of mess. I'm never going to mess up my finances that way. Peter was like, Lord, they all might betray you, but I'll never do it. And God says, yeah, you're the one that do it three times. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before pride or before a fall. You know what Peter should have did when Jesus said that? He should have fell on his face and said, Dear God, help me. Not, Lord, I'll never do it. Peter, Peter struggled with apathy. They went to pray as Jesus was going to the cross. And you know what Peter did? He slept. And a lot of us, rather than holding on and praying and seeking God, we'd rather have Facebook and Netflix. And we're thinking, Lord, I don't know why my life is so messed up. God had to go kick him. Peter, get up. Peter, get up. Peter, get up. He's doing that to you. He's doing that to the church all through your year this past year. Man, get up. Go to church. Read your Bible. Come on, get up. Apathy gets into our life. 
The result was Peter responded in the flesh. He got up, took his sword, cut off the ear of the servant. And he's like, stop, what are you doing? Well, I thought that was the best thing to do. Quit being wise in your own eyes and start listening to me. That's where it brings us to this point. I want to bring you back to Luke 22, verse 60. Luke twenty-two sixty, And I'm, I'm going to show you how God, how, how, how do we overcome regret? When you fail, how do we recover? And I want to show you this. Luke 22, verse 60. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he spake, the cock crew. Now you guys know what's going up. The Bible said that you betray me. And three times, and God said that this was going to happen. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice, three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let's pray. Lord, this is a big moment in Peter's life. Because it was at this moment that he hit his knees. Lord, he not only wept, Lord, he, he was weeping. Lord, he was broken. And Lord, I know that there are Christians here that are broken over the life that they've had this past year. They are broken over disappointing you. Or they are broken. And Lord, I know that there's no way we can start the year off right without facing our brokenness, facing our downfalls and our failures. And Lord, we're just filled with regret. We're, we're nauseous with regret. Lord, help us to overcome our regret with the power of God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Number one, how do you overcome regret? Number one, listen to the spiritual wake-up calls. Listen to the spiritual. Now, here, here it is. He denied God three times, and I know you're sitting there, and the bird crows, and like, oh, okay, oh, God, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Do you realize that that rooster crowed at that moment because God had him crow at that moment? It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just something cute that we could tell in a Sunday school class to put up the flannel graph of a rooster. It was God's plan. Let let me tell you and put it this way. This was God's wake-up call to Peter. This was God's wake up. God still works this way today. And I'm not saying that every time you hear a rooster or a bird, that's God correcting you. But God works through other things. God will give you a wake up call. And you guys, and I know it's different for every one of us, but God has that way of snapping his fingers or clapping his hands or getting your attention to say, hey, this is it. Hey, Peter, you just messed up. Hey, you got off track. You go out drinking. And all of a sudden you see those lights in your rearview mirror and you figure it out. You're not hiding it anymore and your wife and spouse is going to know and it's going to go on your license. And When you get arrested or your wife busts something on your computer, you get a text message that you thought you hid. You go to church and the pastor preaches on a specific thing or a friend comes up and confronts you or pours his heart into you. God has a way of bringing conviction and waking you up in the middle of the night or having something happen that shakes you. You realize that rooster was a messenger of God to shake Peter. Peter got and he walked out and he wept bitterly because he realized that God was saying, Peter, what did you do? The purpose of the rooster, he had two purposes that I saw. Number one, he was there to let Peter know that Jesus knew. 
Here, here's the thing. There's some of the sins and the things that we have in our life that nobody knows about. Peter doesn't list the disciples. It doesn't list the other men that were there. His brother wasn't there. His Jesus was off the distance. And we know that Jesus was close enough to see him. But he was there and he was all alone. He was with the damsel and he was with these other people. And he's, the Bible says that he's warming his hands. And sometimes when you're away from your parents, or you're away from your friends, it's easier to say or do things because you're thinking, who's going to know? And Peter denied the Lord. And that moment, the rooster cried out for, for God to say, I know what you did. See, the thing is, you, you can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your kids, but you'll never hide it from God. God has a way of calling us out. God was letting him know, I know what you did. Your wife might not know, but I tell you, God sure knows. God knows when you've slipped in your devotions, and God knows what you're hiding in your life. God knows that your marriage is slipping, even though you say, honey, we walk on the church, we're going to hold hands, and we're going to let everybody know, and you, you can fake it all you want. That you can try to be and pretend to be the spiritual leader. But here's the thing that God knows. God knows your heart. And he was slipping there. God, God said, you know what? I can use something as simple as a rooster crowing. Something that they heard all the time. God just snaps his finger and that rooster crows to turn around and call out to him and saying, I know what you're doing. Peter, you're, you're getting on a slippery slope, son. You're, you're getting on something that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. When I was a teenager, we would uh, sit with my parents, but we'd sit behind my parents, and we had a row of teenagers that would sit there. And you guys are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we, would, we were just kids. I mean, we were just, you, kids do dumb things. We'd be back there messing around. We'd start passing notes, and, you know, we'd start joking and, and, and just doing all these other things. And you get so caught up in the moment of what you're doing that you forget that your parents are right in front of you. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and there's this look of death. No words coming out of her mouth. It's just this, you know, that, you know. And in that look, not in her words, mom says to me in that look, you're going to die. And Joyce sitting on your, your, your behind, because you're not going to be able to do that this afternoon, your days are numbered. You better listen to every word he's saying. He's saying, what did she say? She didn't say anything. It was all this. It was, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. And I, I can get out into the car. Mom says, yeah, I told you. you know, she didn't say anything, but I know what she was saying just by that look. Sometimes the little things that God does in your life, it's not verbally saying something to you, but you know exactly the message he's sending you. Have you guys ever gotten mad or, or been messing around with something, thinking, man, if I had a chance, and all of a sudden you just trip on your face, and you think, what, what did I trip over? It's, that's just God snapping his fingers. That's just God giving you that look. That's, the, that's God saying, I know your heart. And Peter, I know what you did. The second message of the rooster is not only that God knows, but thank God he was saying that he cares. If God didn't care, God would leave you alone. Do you guys get that? He says, some of you are here right now because mom and dad won't leave you alone to get you to come to church. That, that's because God cares about you. So no, 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 that's my mom. You realize that God is using your mom. God is using your dad. God is using your kids to snap his fingers saying, hey, I care about you. I love you. You're, you're getting off. You're, you're getting away. You're getting distant. 
See, the reason that God did that, it wasn't the fact that he wanted them weep bitterly because he didn't care about them. It's because God did care about him. You should thank God when you got pulled over when you were doing something you shouldn't have done. Thank God that mom and dad busted you when they did. They didn't bust you because they're mad at you, because they're upset with you. They bust you because they love you and God, God loves us. And God that loves us is not going to sit there and let us go on. The cool thing about this is Peter was at the lowest point of his life and yet God sent him a message to let him know what he did and the fact that he cared. You ever thought that sometimes when the pastor preaches, and I have wives come up to me all the time, just so you guys know, quit doing this. Has my wife been calling you this week? No. And I'll get on certain things or I'll use certain illustrations. There's no way that you did this. Let me tell you, this is, this is not me. That's how cool our God is. The Bible says that the word of God will go out and will do what it does and come back and will never return void. And all of a sudden, I've had dads get right with God on Mother's Day. You know, I'm just, it's amazing how God sends out his message and God works in all of our hearts. You know why God does that? Because the spirit of God is bigger than you and me. And he goes out and he corrects and he loves and he gets our attention and he's doing all that he's doing because he loves us. The question is simply, when God sends you a wake-up call, when God snaps his fingers, when God calls your attention, when God unveils your sin, do you listen? I know, I know Peter did because he went out and he wept bitterly. He knew in his heart what he did. How, how do we overcome regret? Number one, listen to the spiritual wake-up call that God gives you. And Peter is proof that God does it in unique ways. Number two, don't run from God. One time I was, um, I was driving home, I was on Chatterton, I'm, I'm stopped at this intersection, and I'm, I'm just sitting there listening to the radio, I'm, I'm doing that, look in the rearview mirror, make sure that my hair was in place, <laughs> God, man's got to look good, and uh, I, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I see a car coming up behind me, and if, you, if you've ever been in there, he's not slowing down, he's not slowing down, and smash right in the back of me, and I, I remember being jerked forward, and, and I mean, it just rattled me so bad. He said, what's the point? Let me, let me tell you what I did after that. Every time I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw a car coming up, guess what I did? I, I, I flinched. Every time. For, I'm, I'm saying for probably two years. When you do something that you deeply regret, it messes with your head for a very long time. What will happen is... You do something in your life and you're walking in the church thinking, everybody's looking at me. Honey, did you see that? I walked in there and everybody, I saw so-and-so whispering. And and here's the thing, nobody's doing anything. They were asking for a stick of gum. But in your mind, everybody's watching me. Everybody's mad. Everybody's thinking this. And you're reading into every phrase and everything that goes on Facebook and everything. Oh, and it messes with our minds. And it gets to your brain to the point where you just say, I'm done Every morning. Do you know in their culture, do you know what Peter heard every morning? He heard a rooster cry every morning. Can you imagine that? It affected him so bad that he ran out and he wept bitterly. I mean, that, that, I, I did a study one time on that. I mean, literally, he lamented. He was broken. He was grieving. You know why we quit and we run from a ministry and we run because we've been hurt. We, we let God down so bad that we just walk away from it. I'm not going back to church. I was hurt. I, I hurt God so bad. I hurt other people so bad. They know what I did. 
It gets in our mind, it gets in our head, and it, it bothers us, it consumes us, and there's those little things all the time that remind us. Every day he had to wake up to that sound of that rooster saying, you failed. You told God you won it. Peter, you were supposed to be the rock. Peter, you were that strength. He chose you to go pray with him and you slept. And in our minds, we're just thinking, you know what? I'll never be good enough. I'll never be one of those. I'll never be that guy. I'm not that guy. You know, some of you aren't serving God because you never confronted the regret, the failure, the sin of your past. It messes with us. It feels like the only thing you're good at doing is failing God. You know what human nature is when that happens? To hide. You know what Adam and Eve did before they had anybody to copy of that? Their natural reaction when Adam and Eve sinned, nobody had to come out and say hide. They ran and hid from God. It is a natural reaction. When you let God down, it's a natural reaction to hide from your spouse, to hide from church, to run from God, to run from ministry. Rather than going in there and saying, guys, I'm sorry, it's easier just to say, no, I'd rather quit. And you make up excuses why you don't go to church. Well, I, did, I just don't have this, and I, I'm busy, and it messes with us so bad. I want you to look at John 21, verse 2. We're, I know we're moving around in the Gospels, but I, I want you to get his story. I know you guys know this, but I want to point it out. In John 21, verse 2, there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two of his other disciples, two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I go fishing. Do you, do you know why I'm pointing this out? In, in this morning in, in Matthew 4.18, Jesus went up to the disciples and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He was saying, I'm going to give you a different purpose. And they followed him and the Bible says, and they straightway left their nets and followed God. Because God had a new purpose, a new vision, new friends, new purpose in his life. And if you will, they joined this group, this disciples, a life group is what they joined. They came together in a life group and they shared life together. And for three years they served together. And three years God called them out. And three years they held each other accountable. It was what God was doing. Say, I want that in my life. You can stop by after the table and sign up for a life group. Holding each other accountable and serving God and growing as Christians is what we do. And he was... Bringing that into his life. You know what he did at the end of that? Ah, I'm going fishing. Remember he dropped that. Remember he turned his back on that. Let me warn you guys. When you get discouraged, you know what the, one of the natural reaction is? Is go back to what God saved you from. And I know in this situation that throwing nets is, was not exactly the same thing as smoking or whatever, uh, marijuana, or, you know, all these sins and things that we talk about. But it was what God called him from. It's a natural reaction to do that. God gave him a new purpose. There's a danger when you run back to the life that God saved you. When you get discouraged and you get back with those old friends, you stop back at the bar and you call up those guys and say, hey, get me some whatever. It's a natural reaction to retreat on God. Notice what happens, and keep reading John 21, 
Verse 3, the second part, and they saith unto him, we also go with thee. It's a shame. Mom and dad, when you start retreating, that it's all, when you're not in church, neither are your kids. When you're not serving, they won't be serving. And it affects those that you serve with and that weaker Christian that thought, man, if they fail and give up on God, what chance do I have? Here the other disciples were following the rock, remember? And they said, you know what? We'll go with you. I love this part. And they went forth and entered into, into a ship immediately. And that night they caught, what's the word? Nothing. Let, let me get running from God. We'll always leave you empty. You, you guys need to write that down right now. You can say, I'm not going back to church. Let me tell you the end result. It will always leave you empty. Man, every time, I, I don't know what happened in my life, and I, I just never feel satisfied, never feel fulfilled. I, I always feel empty, and whatever, God will bring you through that rooster and bring you right back and say, remember when you got mad and you stopped church? Remember when you pulled out of that ministry that you love so much? Remember that I called you to that and I gifted you with that and you loved that and it helped you? You come up with all the excuses in the world, but the thing is, I promise you, Peter was a good fisherman. It's what he did for a living. He knew when to go. He knew how to go. He knew what to do. And he came up empty. See, the thing is, when you're not doing it with God's power, you're not going to be successful. It's not your calling. It's not your purpose. Leaving your, spour, your, leaving your, your, your sour attitude and the neglect and all those things that you did, going back, to, it, just, it eats you alive. It consumes you. It changes you. Some of you are at that place right now saying, you know what I need to do? I just need to get out of my relationship with my wife. I promise you, it's just going to leave you empty. If I can just get away from my parents that are telling me what to do, I promise you, you run from what God has from you. It will only leave you empty. Go ahead. I'm just tired of that church. I'm going to get out of this. I can promise you the result. It will only leave you empty. In his mind, that made sense. Verse uh, 4, John 21, 4. But when the morning was now come, you think about that. When the morning was now come. I, I don't, six, eight, ten, I don't know how long this was. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? And they answered, no. Not only does it leave you empty, but running from God will make you tired and frustrated. They fished all night. You ever feel like in life, the harder you work, you get nowhere? It's like, honey, we, I, I can't work another job. I, I can't do another thing. I, I can't give up another thing. I am so frustrated. I'm so tired. You cannot do it without God. You weren't meant to do it without God. God was sitting there off to the side. You can imagine this. I, don't, I wasn't there. I don't know. But Jesus was sitting there doing this. They'd throw the net on this side, and Jesus would tell the fish, over here. All the fish would go to the other side. And then they'd throw it in the other side and go, you know, and all the fish would go to the other side. I, I don't know what was going on, but I guarantee you Jesus was having a fun time with this. <laughs> they didn't catch anything, yet they fished all night. 
And I love the message that Jesus is coming up and he comes on the chart and goes, Hey guys, how's it going? Do you notice Jesus didn't say, Hey, it's Jesus. He didn't do that. He just, he just says, Hey, how's, did you catch any fish? Doesn't Jesus have such a great sense of humor? <laughs> did Jesus already know? Has Jesus ever done this in your life where, where, where God comes up to your life and says, How's your job going? Is that working out good for you? Hey, since you got out of church, how, how's that life going? Is, is, that, is, that, is, that, good, is that really good? So, right, I'm not good out there. How's that working for you? It's not. It's not at all. God doesn't work that way. See, God will drop into your situation. Here, Jesus is on the shoreline watching their frustration. It's, it's awesome how when we leave God, God doesn't leave us. He's working to get your attention, and we don't even deserve it. He, he wanted them to know, you cannot do this without me. So he proved his point in verse 6, and he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the ship. And guys, I don't know how big this boat was. Okay, well, let's say it was as wide as the stage, which would be really, during that time, that would have been a big boat. But it was probably a smaller boat. Uh, you're saying here? And they caught 153 fish. The, the message was not about the fish. The message was simply, without God, you can do nothing. If you would go into the beginning of this first year with that in your mind, without God, it's not going to work. In my marriage, in my parenting, in my finances, with my job, in my career, in my loneliness, in my frustration, God is the fixer of all of those things. Cast the net on the right side, and ye shall find. Jesus has what you're looking for. John 21, verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisherman's coat unto him, for he was naked. Uh, he wasn't naked, naked. That, that phrase meant that they took off their outer garment and he was just wearing his undergarment. And he cast himself in the sea and the other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far from land and it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. How do you overcome guilt? How do you overcome regret? You listen to the spiritual wake-up calls. Don't run from God and embrace God's restoration. Do you get what's happening here? Jesus is standing all to the sideline and Jesus is calling out to them. When you get away from God and you run back to the world and you run back to what God saved you from, it's amazing how God keeps yelling out to you. I'm glad that God doesn't work the way we work where we give up on each other. When we walk out of our marriages, we walk out of friendships and we get mad at each other, we do these things, God was pursuing them. Because the thing is, God desired to bring people back into fellowship with him. God desires to bring you back into fellowship with him. And I'm going to prove this. We sit there and say all the time, God wants you to serve him. And God wants you to use your talents. And let me tell you, that is the end result of this. And I promise. But notice how it starts. Verse 9, and as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. And a fish laid there on. And bread. Does that, do you guys get the picture? 
You know, you know the atmosphere that God was in? And we have the idea that if I go back to God, or if I go back to church, if I, God is sitting there saying, man, I've got, I've got something to warm you. I've got the food that you need. I made you some bread. I, I have fish cooking on here. I, that, that's, that's how our God works. And he says unto them, come and dine. Come and fellowship. Come and sit down. Let me be in your presence. You know, you know what the word come means? It means to eliminate the distance that is between you. God wants to eliminate the distance that our guilt and our shame and our sin has made in our lives. Come over here. Sit with me. Come back to me. Be with me. Jesus is sitting there. Verse 12, and Jesus said unto them, come and dine. It's, it's an exciting thought to think that Jesus wants to spend time with me. It's, it's not just what I have to give him, but the fact that he loves me for who I am. And, and this is grace because he didn't deserve any of it. And notice the next thing, but Jesus confronts his failure. God not only wanted his fellowship, but God confronts his failure. It's an important thing to understand that God doesn't just sweep it under the carpet or turn his head. God wasn't just sitting there saying, Peter, it's okay. I know we all make mistakes. No, he wanted him to repent. He wanted him to know that what you did was wrong. God is a loving God, but God is a righteous God. I love the verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I want to I point out something to you guys that God spoke to me. And if you say I'm reading into this, I'm sorry. But God spoke to me and gave me this. John 21, verse 4. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Jesus says nothing all night until the morning was now come. In the morning hour, when the sun broke, Jesus cries out, Guys, how's it going? Remember what I was saying, what the culture was that they would normally hear when the sun came up? I think God went over the rooster and says, let me have this one. You be quiet. Because Satan's going to constantly try to yap at you of your failures. God calls out to you in the midst of your failures. You say, hey, come and dine. I guess the question is, are you going to sit there and be reminded constantly of the rooster's yell of what you've done in the past and your failure? Are you going to listen to the call out of God of saying, come and dine? On the fact that God wants you in fellowship and God, God sat him down and don't get me wrong. Even the fact of the coals, you realize, and I, I pointed this one out when we were doing a Bible study on this before. And as soon as they were coming to land, he saw the fire of coals. You know that that word fire of coals, that phrase is only used twice in scripture. Do you know when the other time is that that fire of coals is used? Peter was warming his hands and the Bible says by the fire of coals. Two times God brought him back. To the place saying, you smell that? Any memories coming back, buddy? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? God was bringing back up, not, not to rub his face in his sin, but to let him know, I know what you did. And Peter repented of his sin. You see, God doesn't sweep it under the carpet, but he does desire for us to get the sin, the thing that trips us up. Because God's saying, hey, Peter, I've got big plans for you. Peter, I want to use you, but you need to look back and make it right. 
Church, right now, we need to look back on our year, back on our life, and for God to point out and say this, 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 and this. Get it right. Get it out. Get it under the blood. Because I can't use you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You know, you know what he was doing? He was restoring them back to service. He was restoring them back to serving God. Isn't it awesome that God doesn't say, you're second right now. I need to put you on a shelf. And one day, if nobody else is good enough, I'll pull you out. No, God was saying, Peter, I want to use you. You're a preacher. You're a minister. You're a leader. Peter, I need you. But after he repented and called him out on his sin, and Peter wept bitterly over what he had done. I love this. I don't normally do this, but I want you guys to help me with my last point. When you take your Bibles, I want to prove a point with this. We're in John 21. John 21, we read this story. Lovest thou me, lovest thou me, all the way through chapters, verse 17, all the way through. I want you guys to do this. We're going to take it and flip the page. Okay, in your Bible. It should be to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you, and hearken unto my words. Three thousand accepted Christ with that message that he preached. Restoration. How close are you to God doing something great with your life? You see, God, you could say that God started another chapter. Different ways to look at it. But you flip the page and you say, God was calling him out. God, God was confronting him. God gave him the warning. God, God shook him up. God called him out. God did all of that because he said, right here, I'm going to do something amazing with your life. But right here, you've got to get back in fellowship with me. How close are you? To God busting your life open to do something great for you. How close are you to God restoring to do great things with your life? For Peter, literally, it was one page away. He think, I'm done. I'll never, I'll never. It's never done with God. It's never over with God. 